Section 2 of Deeds of Daring Done by Girls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. Deeds of Daring Done by Girls by Hannah Moore. The Robes of the Duchess, as told by Jehan, her page, in the Year of Grace, 1392. 3. When we came nigh Paris, word came from my lord duke that we were to halt at the abbey of Saint-Denis, whither the king and queen, and the dukes de Berry and Burgundy, with my lady's father, were to come to welcome us. When my lady heard that her father was to come also, she turneth to me, who knew that she had not seen him since she was a small babe of three. By my faith, Jehan, quoth she, I fear my own father more than the lord I am to marry, since he is the greater stranger of the two. Why think you he cometh? Truth, I know not, my lady, say I. And it was not till later that it was known that this strange father, hearing of his daughter's beauty, and that she was to wed his friend the Duke de Berry, came forth from Paris with the king and queen to look on her. We lay that night at the abbey, and before we went to rest, heard mass in the cathedral itself. Never had I dreamed that so noble a building had been made by men's hands, and this was but the beginning. Gold and silver statues stood on the great altar, great colored stones, the names of which I knew not, sparkled on the cups and dishes of gold that were used for the holy offices, while the books that the holy fathers held in their hands, as well as their robes and mitres, gave forth sparkles like unto a rainbow after the mass they took my lady to show her the treasures and i following behind saw with these eyes that had never thought to see such things the great golden sword of king charlemagne and so many other wonders of gold and jewels that my mind could hold them not what made my blood to stir most amid all that world of rich and holy things was a banner that hung high over the great altar Torn it was, yet in its folds glowed the color of flame, and one of the good fathers turning to me, who stood with mouth agape, I doubt not, asked, Good lad, knowest thou what banner hangest there? Nay, father, answered I, and how should I, since I am but newly come from the faraway castle of Orthes, which, as thou knowest, lies in the lonely marshes to the west? Look, son, then spoke he, at the greatest treasure of france tis the oriflamme that sacred banner which hath led her hosts so oft to victory and as i looked on it and knew how many brave knights had found death under its folds my heart was fuller than ever before for what is more noble than to give one's life for one's country even a poor page may do that though he may never hope to fall under a banner which may be borne only by princes and nobles that night I slept on a monk's pallet, spread on the floor of the passage without my lady's door. Yet were my dreams always of war and clashings of arms, and there floated ever through my visions that wondrous banner of flame color. Next morn we were all astir with the dawn. Twas my task to see that my lady's litter had been made fresh and seemly, that the pages were all point device in their looks, so that we should not bear our part ill before the nobles coming from Paris to greet us. 
about sunset they arrived the king rode at the head of them all with his two uncles on either hand the duke de berry on the right and the duke de burgoyne on the left behind came the queen and her ladies in an open car and on either side rode the great lords two by two carrying their swords and shining in their armour of gold the duke de berry cometh forward and taking my lady by the hand led her to the king who kissed her on the brow and then took her to the queen they were so handsome these two the queen and my lady that all marvelled thereat queen isabeau was of a fairness like unto milk and roses while my lady who stood a full hand taller was of a dark brownness which looked but the darker beside the golden-haired queen shortly the queen turneth to a tall and dark noble who stood behind her and saith she with a smile well comte hast thou naught to say then he came forward and taking the hand of my lady in his looketh her long in the face at last he looks less stern and then he saith if thou hadst looked like thy mother child thou and i hadst not met to-day but i see well thou art my own child and carry in thy brow and eyes the colour of a true daughter of Auvergne. one needed only to look at them as they stood side by side to see that they were of one race he like the king kisseth my lady on the brow and then he turneth to the duke de berry and placing in his hand the little one of my lady he saith one may not wonder longer at your choice my lord duke this night like the last one we lay in the abbey but there was feasting and gaiety at least as much as seemed good in a holy house then next day we took our way to paris my lady riding in the car with the queen and her ladies and i looked on her with marvel to see how one who had scarce seen aught but a squire's lady and the wenches about the castle and those who had taught us could bear herself so bravely as if all her life she had known aught but courts then after a brief space cometh the marriage at paris where king charles himself giveth the bride away for five days there were masks and feastings balls and jousts in which even the king takes a part many of these balls were at the palace of st paul where lived the king and queen some there were at the hotel de la reine blanche where dwelt the queen of navarre and there were others yet at the hotel de nel which the duke de berry gave to my mistress the duchess eleanor for her wedding gift methought we had been merry at orthes but at paris it was like a minstrel's tale who can wonder that my mistress was happy she sang and danced my lord duke adored her everybody loved her for her sweet and gentle ways and there were none about the palace but that she knew and cared for jehan she saith to me one day art thou happy here yea mistress since this great city is to be my home dost thou never think of those days when we trained the dogs at orthes faith and i do mistress though it is but seldom and i love the brave doings here besides where thou goest there must jehan follow the days slipped away and were none too long i fed the pet squirrel with its collar of fair pearls which the king had given to my mistress and the monkey too and the flying birds for my mistress loved ever to have antic creatures about her 
at the hunts i ride close at hand and as at orthez where my mistress the duchess goeth there goeth jehan once when we chased the deer at val lorraine the stag a weary and dazed took refuge in a barn our king the well-beloved crieth out spare him spare him for the huntsman ran into the barn to cut the poor beast's throat then saith the king from his kind heart never shall this deer be hunted more his life shall be his own from this day forth saying which he pulled from his saddle-cloth a splendid fleur-de-lis and turned to some of his men for a chain with which to hang it on the creature's neck none had one so my duchess took from her own neck a chain of gold and it was hanged about the deer's neck to show that it was the king's and none might do it ill each day there was some new sport and i had scant time to do aught but follow my mistress as one morn she stood playing with the monkey a beast that had no regard for my fingers but was ever pleased to be petted by my duchess my lady's eyes roved to the beds of gay posies that bloomed without on the terrace they put to shame the ones we tended in the old days by the castle wall but my duchess cried there is not a posy here as bright as the poppies that grew at orthez nor one so white as the gillyflowers twas a pretty garden and i loved it well yet i cannot say but what i loved these too she stepped out on the terrace and called back over her shoulder see that the cup of gold that the monkey broke be mended i love not this task since it seemed a shame to me that so grievous a beast should have his food from so fair a cup while many of his betters had none soon after my mistress was wedded to my lord duke the great fair of saint denis was set out in the meadow pre eau claire thither went we with the king queen and all the court such marvels as were spread out there for sale jewels and stuffs wrought with gold and gems pictures and holy books painted in colors and with gold carvings made from wood and from the great white teeth of strange beasts which they saith live in the sea cups of gold shaped like unto lilies and roses swords and spears battle-axes and shields armor and horse trappings till one knew not which way to turn if it was a fine show in daytime my certes what a sight it was at night every stall was ablaze with torches and there were crowds of strange peoples of diverse colors and from faraway lands with soldiers and singers on every hand my mistress had never seen before such a sight no more than i and she chose many a rich and curious toy and my lord duke smiled and gave her all her heart's desire yet think not that my lady had ever gods and merry doings in her mind being but young she loved these well as what young maid does not but her heart was ever loyal to her friends as presently i shall set forth four it befell after we had dwelt three years in paris and my duchess was just turned of fifteen that there was tumult at the court king charles the well-beloved whose fits of madness caused so much havoc owing to the mischief wrought by his uncles when he was too ill of mind and body to rule himself was again out of his mind the seigneur de la riviere whom my duchess had ever loved since he had arranged her marriage and fetched her to paris to my lord the duc de berry was by the order of the duc de burgundy 
seized and held to die. His friends, lest they too should suffer for it, feared to help him. The king, as hath been said, was ill. The queen cared not what happened, so long as she was not irked. But my duchess clenched her little hand, and saith, He shall not die. Just how to serve him she knew not, so she cometh to her lord, the Duke de Berry, and cast herself on her knees before him. Oh, my dear lord, cried she, sobbing, this man who hath done no wrong, and whom we know and love, must die, since none but I durst speak for him. The Duke, who loved her well, raised her, and saith, Take comfort, dear one. But, my lord, what comfort is there for me, when one who gave me happiness and thee is in danger of his life? and for no wrong-doing neither. Dear heart, answered my lord the duke, I too love him, since he brought thee to me. And what man can do, that will I, for thy sake and his. If he be not saved, then will I sorrow always, wept my duchess. My lord duke went forth, and though the king was only at times come to his wits again, my lord got from him a command that the seigneur de la Riviere should be sent overseas, and not slain. This did but half content my mistress. When the king grew well again, my duchess pled with him so prettily that as he loved right well to pleasure her, he allowed the seigneur de la Riviere to come home, and to him restore all his castles and his wealth. Greatly my mistress rejoiceth, and giveth thanks to both her lord and the king. Now the seigneur, when once more in honour and in wealth he came to his home, in token for his thanks for all she had wrought in his behalf, brought to my mistress a coffer filled with rich gifts. The coffer was in itself a marvel, since it was painted all over with little flying boys, who bore in their hands flowers and wreaths. All the rest of it was like unto gold, and it stood upon four feet, cut in the shape of great paws. When the coffer was opened, there seemeth no end to the splendid things my mistress brought forth. Tissues glistening like moonbeams, wrought stuffs of many colours, and chains and jewels. Chiefest amongst the rich treasures was a length of velvet from the great city called Genoa, the mate to which was not in all the court. It was blue in colour, the which my mistress ever loveth, just the shade of the sky of a sunny day at noon. Wrought all over it in threads of purest silver were flying doves. My faith, it seemed as if their long wings fairly moved. Oh, cried my Duchess Eleanor, never was such a lovely robe seen before. And it cometh just in time, too, since the ball that Queen Blanche giveth to the Queen's maid on her marriage will be shortly. My Duchess had the velvet fashioned into a robe so splendid that all marvelled. It fell from her shoulders and flowed three meters length upon the floor, and the doves of silver fluttered and shone with every step she taketh. Above her brow rose the tall hennen that Queen Isabeau so loved to wear and to have the ladies of her court wear also, and from this fell a veil of silver like unto the doves. The night of the ball was at hand, and none looking on my stately duchess would deem that she had but fifteen years. So heavy was the robe, and of such length, that as I walked behind, I bore it for her. The palace shone bravely with torches and flambeaux set in the wall, and borne in the hands of many lackeys all about the rooms. 
our king the well-beloved no longer ill was full of pleasure at the masks which had been planned for this ball he was scarce older than was i since he was but nineteen years and when he was not ill ever loved to mingle in all the sports going forward the dancing had come to an end quickly a space was cleared and as i stood behind my lady a loud voice crieth out the wild men the wild men give the wild men room of a truth they were frightful to see five chained together led by a sixth who leaped along in front shouting all of them being covered with long shaggy hair after the manner of some strange beasts as the mummers passed for they were but dressed to look like wild men i tweaked betwixt finger and thumb a bit of the fur and lo it was but raveled tow now i knew right well why the word had been passed that none with lights should move about the room with what wild shouts did the mummers leap here and there amongst the guests some were affrighted and ran screaming away the leader of them all runneth up to my mistress dost thou know me cried he right firmly she held him by the hand not yet saith she but shall ere i let thee go then my blood froze with the horror of a scream i heard then another and another in an instant mummers guests room and all were in a blaze one of the company to see the mummers better had seized a torch and held it near them the toe sprang into flame and the five men who were tied together were instantly on fire and shrieking out one only loosed himself and ran and plunged into a tank for washing of the silver and which happened to be full of water all through the tumult and cries there stood my duchess mid the flying brands which i fought as best as i might with cap and hands come away i cried oh mistress come nay help me to save him jehan was what she whispered back her fair veil shriveled with the heat the flying slivers blistered her arms and neck cries of the king the king save the king grew loud and louder queen isabeau fainted yet my brave duchess stood there till every flying spark had been stamped out holding gathered about her the heavy velvet robe when at last the fire was all subdued she threw aside the blue robe that had been so fair and there under its scorched folds in his monstrous suit of tow knelt the king safe and unharmed hasten sire cried she the queen waiteth you throw over you jehan's cloak lest some wanton spark fly near you the king hurried away and then think not but that i hasten to get my mistress home and oh my lord's pride and my lady and oh the king's words when he came next morn to thank her kneeling on one knee to kiss her hand the sky-blue robe you say what became of that my mistress packed it away in the coffer that had brought it from genoa with her own hands and from that time my lord taketh for his pennon one of sky-blue ground with a silver dove set in its midst end of section two recording by james k white chula vista